Very good. Thank you so much. So don't miss the variety show. There's going to be that and more. That and more. All kinds of things. Be here. Thursday, yes? Thursday at 7? <clears throat> okay, so today, last, last Sunday in July, we're finishing up the theme, Free to Be Whole. Free to Be Whole. We're finishing up the theme for the month. And today's talk is Living from Wholeness. Living from Wholeness. So we started with the beginning of July, because it was the 4th of July, right? well, sort of close to the 4th of July. We started with um, I Am Freedom. <clears throat> and then we talked about freedom and wholeness. And then, of course, last week, <laughs> Mario <laughs> brought you Limitless. Yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, vision, come for the music, stay for the cosplay, right? <laughs> anyway, so, <clears throat> so we were, we were, I was talking to one of our licensed practitioners, Paul Hammerling, the other day, and I was talking about regarding this talk, living from wholeness, living from that. And, and we were just kind of throwing concepts around and, and talking about what it is, you know, how would you describe it? If you were living from wholeness, how would you describe it? What would we say about it? How would we know that we were living from wholeness if we were living from wholeness? Um, and Paul posed these interesting questions. And I thought it would be good to start the talk there because this is really worth thinking about. He said, uh, regarding our idea of living from wholeness, he said, who were you before somebody laughed the artist out of you? Before some teacher embarrassed the writer out of you? Who were you before the world fat shamed the dancer out of you? Who were you before the gender police told you what girls can't do or what boys must do? What was your dream, your goal, your passion before someone practicalized it out of you? And what if all the fear and the shame and the resistance is just a story in our heads. And there is nothing out there to overcome. Who would you be then? What if there is only something to align with? And those are really interesting questions. And it's a great place to start when we begin to talk, to think about living from wholeness. You see, because the biggest struggle that we come to as students of this faith philosophy is the idea that we get to wholeness as we practice. The mistake that we make, I think, is that, is that we will, by our spiritual pursuits, someday get there, someday get to be whole that the right book or the best seminar or the perfect workshop will be it, will be it, right? And we'll get it. We'll be healed and we'll recognize that we have arrived. 
We feel like when we get it all together, right, then we'll be whole, right? If we get it all together, where are we going to put it? <laughs> and who are you going to get to dust it, you know? <laughs> Please. But we have this idea that it's somehow outside of us. It's a destination, that it's something that we arrive at when we have the premise backwards the whole time. There is no there to get to. Practitioner 1 students, you learn this, right? Any, practitioner 1 students, who, who's completed Prac 1? You know this. You know this, right? There is no, pra, there is no process of healing. <clears throat> there is only a process in healing, right? We learned that in Prac 1, yes? Please agree with me. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. The process in healing, the process in healing is the revelation of truth. The process in healing is the revelation of truth. And Eric Butterworth said this. He said, God does not heal. God is wholeness. Consciousness heals. Now, I, wait a minute. I know what you're going to say. Before you say it, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but God is consciousness. What the heck does that mean? What does that mean? <sighs> I know universal mind is consciousness. Universal mind is all there is. You're right. And our own personal thought, our own personal consciousness is our use of it, right? So you have this big, gigantic concept called universal mind, which is limitless, but our own self-identified use of universal mind, the part that we personalize, we have the freedom to think of it any way we want, right? Any way we want. Thank you, free will. And so remember, we are left alone to discover our divinity. <clears throat> so we don't automatically know our limitlessness. And until the time that we do, we labor on, under all sorts of false beliefs and limited beliefs and, and fears and ideas of separation until we come to it, to our own personal use of, of universal mind comes to the idea, the knowledge that we are immersed in it, we are it, and so is everything else. And so is everything else. Quimby, remember him? <clears throat> Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. Don't you love that name? God, that is like so 1800s. And he was born in 1802. Okay, born in 1802. What he said was, mind is matter in solution, and matter is mind in form. So we're just, we're just all the same stuff. We're just all the same stuff. You want me to say that again? Mind is matter in solution, and matter is mind in form. There's only one stuff. There's only one thing in the universe. It's either in form or out of form. Physicists like to call it energy. We like to call it God or spirit or the grand poobah or well, I like Bob. I think Bob is really nice and personal. But everything is one. Everything is one. That energy is one. That sentient energy, that loving presence, that universal mind, that volition, whatever you want to call it. If you go to page 500 and what is it? Practitioners, 500 and something. Anyway, you'll find the metaphysical chart in the Science of Mind book, right? You know, the big one with the three phases, right? This is God and everything in it. And if you go up to the top, you'll see what universal mind is called. Ernest Holmes had like a hundred different names for it. Universal mind, volition, the I am, uh, first cause, higher power, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. That's what it is. Everything is one. But we forget that. 
we get caught up in our own little details. And what, <clears throat> what happens is we have to remember the truth of ourselves. And in order to do that, we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. We don't do something special other than become who we truly are. And that's a revelation. It's a revealing process because we've been that all along. We were that when we were born. We came into the world with that. We came into the world knowing that we were a gift to humanity, that we were a gift to the world. We knew all of that stuff when we were, when we were born. Everything else, all the false ideas and all the limited beliefs and all the fears and all the ideas of separation, that's all been added on to us. Isn't that lovely? Yay. Thanks, family. <laughs> and culture and everything else. We added all that on. But it is within us to know the truth and to demonstrate truth because that is our essence. We're, we need to allow it to come out of us. So we have to break apart all of those things that have kept us from doing that. All the stuff we added on, now we're in the process of removing it all. That's what a revelation is, a revealing of what is already there. Ernest Holmes said this, since God is everywhere, and since the subtle essence of the infinite is invisible, we do not search out the divine spirit, but rather we should recognize it as the center of all life. As the center of all life. And since you are life, so your center is that. Spirit, the center of all life. So when we do this, when we recognize that's all there is to us, is that we are spirits in form, ta-da, we, we come into this world and we are spirit housed in a body. When we remember this, we begin to live from wholeness because that is the wholeness. That is the wholeness, the truth that is in, inside of us. <clears throat> and when we live from wholeness, we stop trying to solve problems and we start to reveal the truth because remember every time you're solving problems you're working at the level of the problem every time we're solving problems we're just making a shift in consciousness from one thing to another thing from one effect to another effect from one condition to another condition sort of like that old phrase about you know rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic you're rearranging the deck chairs still going down but it looks different Right? When we are addressing things at the level of the effect, all we're doing is shifting one condition for another condition. When we begin to live from wholeness, we know the truth of things. We stop trying to find problems and rather we reveal things. We reveal the truth about ourselves. And once we can reveal the truth about ourselves, we can reveal the truth for everybody else. Because we know what? We go back to that basic premise, God is all there is. You know, we sit here and we're like, God is all there is. God is whole, perfect, and complete. Therefore, I am. And we sit here and we go, wow, that really sounds kind of egotistical at some point, And it really, really could be. But what we know is everybody else is also. Everybody else is also. So we are each individualized, unique, perfect, whole, and complete. And so is everyone else. So is everything else that is in manifest form. Because spirit has infused life into everything. Spirit has infused itself into everything. I don't remember who said it. I know everybody has said it at one point or another. The idea that consciousness sleeps in the stone and dreams in the plant and awakens in animals and finds its self-awareness in human. Everybody said it. Look it up on the internet. Everybody claims to have said it. Nobody said it. I don't know who said it for real. Now I said it. <laughs> now you can quote me. Okay. 
But, but this is the idea that consciousness goes all the way down, all the way down to, to the most minute particle of, of manifest uh, matter. There is no separation. Consciousness didn't, consciousness didn't infuse itself into matter. Matter did not become conscious. It's all one. It is all one. So, so going back to those original questions, who were you? Who were you before somebody laughed the artist out of you? Who were you before somebody embarrassed the writer out of you? Who were you before the world fat shamed the dancer out of you? Before the gender police told you what girls can't do or what boys must do? What was your dream? What was your goal? What was your passion? Before the world told you what its rules were? So at this point, I would, I would add another question to it. This is a question that Esther Nicholson posed. She said, who would you be if you knew that you knew that you knew God loved you? Who would you be if you knew that you knew that you knew that God loved you unconditionally? And then she continued by saying, we must connect with that part of ourselves, that source within us that does not need healing. Because that's the truth of who we are. That place within us, that what Emerson called, right, that seed of perfection nestled within. That place that is whole, perfect, and complete has never been hurt, has never been less than, has never been made fun of, that has never been persecuted. That place within us that is our spiritual prototype, our spiritual mental equivalent, that place within us that has never, ever been touched by anything in the manifest universe. It is just the pure, shining, clear, whole, perfect, and complete part of ourselves that individualized expression of spirit, of who we are in truth, in reality. So when we align with that, when we align with that absolute, everything false from our life falls away. When we live from first cause, when we live from that upper realm, <clears throat> does that mean there's no more bumps in the road? <laughs> oh, hell no. No, what is it they said about religious scientists, though? We still get flat tires, but only in our driveway. You know. <laughs> there are still bumps in the road. Things still happen. What is it they said? I'm not going to say the word. I'm going to be really good today. Okay, but you know what the expression is, right? Stuff happens. Stuff happens, but we're too smart to put the fan on. Okay? That's really what's going on. Thank you. We look at life through the lens of wholeness, not problem solving. Not problem solving. It is the consciousness of wholeness itself that heals. Does that make sense? It is our use of that too. The consciousness of wholeness that heals. Not problem solving. Whenever we're in problem solving, whenever you find yourself going, what am I going to do about this? I got to do something. What am I going to do about this? Anytime we start getting into the problem-solving part of it, we know we are dealing with life at the level of the effect, at the level of what, is, what has happened. And, and was it, wasn't it, <laughs> I went blank. Einstein, right? Wasn't it Einstein that said you, you never solve a problem at the level of, uh, of the consciousness that created the problem? You know, you have to go a little higher than that. So that's what we're doing. The consciousness of wholeness itself heals because it reveals the truth of us. It reveals the truth of us. That is the revelation, revealing truth. Emma Curtis Hopkins, we love Emma, don't we? She's just 
wonderful. Anyway, she said this. She said, the I am works inevitably through me to will and to do that which ought to be done by me. Okay? <clears throat> say it again. You want me to say it again? The I am, now remember that's, that's the part within you that knows of its divinity. The I am works inevitably through me to will and to do that which ought to be done by me. That's surrender. That is surrender. That is allowing yourself to be immersed in the wholeness and to live from the sense of wholeness. <laughs> so who were you before the world got its hands on you? <laughs> before the world told you you weren't good enough? Who were you? You were perfect. You were whole. You're complete. <sighs> Authentic. Right? You were your whole complete, authentic person, just as we are now. Just as we are now when we drop the false beliefs and we drop the fears and we drop the ideas of limitation and we drop the ideas of separation. We are just that same whole, perfect, and complete baby that came into the world. <clears throat> this is a shift in consciousness. This is, the, this is the consciousness that heals. And what we're doing when we do this is we're growing our own personal use of universal mind. Do you, do you see that? Our own personal consciousness, our own point of light within universal mind. When we dwell in this idea that we are whole, perfect, and complete, we're expanding our own personal use of this universal mind. This is the shift in consciousness we're moving into. This is what happens as a result of our spiritual practice, doesn't it? We enlarge our personal use of this universal mind, which is limitless. We're just bigger in it. We become bigger in it. This is why we meditate, right? Don't you feel great when you come out of meditation? Don't you feel better? Don't you feel more connected? Don't you feel lighter? Don't you feel like everybody is, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all one. We're all God in form. And then you hit the highway. And then you know what happens from there. But meditation does that. It lifts us. It opens, it expands our consciousness. It expands our own private use, our own personal use of this universal mind. And that's why it's so beneficial for us to have these practices. That's why we, we, we meditate and that's why we pray. It's to expand our own personal use of this universal mind. We make, now, we make limited use because we are humans in form. We make limited use of an unlimited source. Right? As humans, we do. We are not the allness of God, but we are some aspect of it. So we make limited use of this limitless source. We expand our personal use of it. We make it as big as we can within our own personal conscious use of it. And as we envision a greater good, we can experience a greater good. This is what Ernest Holmes said, even if we've never experienced it before, right? Even if we've never experienced it before. And isn't that great? Isn't that the promise of this faith philosophy that we teach and we talk about and we practice? Is that we are allowed to expand beyond with imagination, with fire, with spiritual mind treatment. We are allowed to expand beyond what has ever been previously experienced by us. 
This is why so this is why it's so important to keep our mind focused on the absolute and not muck around in the conditions all the time, not try to fix the conditions all the time. This is what's meant in the Bible about judge not by appearances, right? The appearances are is the stuff around us. The appearance is the is the condition, it's the way things are showing up. But that's the last link in the chain of manifestation. When it shows up in the physical form, that is the last link in the chain of manifestation. Everything begins in consciousness. So when we provide a big enough container, then the outpicturing, what results, can be bigger than anything before, right? We've never, ever, ever solved the problem at the level <clears throat> of the problem. Buckminster Fuller, I love Buckminster Fuller. He said this, you never change things by fighting existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. When we are busy solving the problem at the level of the problem, or solving the challenge, or trying to fix something, we're dealing with it at the level of the problem. And this is the losing your luggage story. <laughs> I had a friend who was like, who would go through these things. I would, I, I would watch him. He would pack like everything he owned into this carry-on bag. You know, it's like, I don't know how he did it. It was, must have been bigger on the inside than the outside. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's going away for like a month, you know, and he's cramming everything into this little, what are you doing? And he was like, well, because, you know, I'm trying to avoid getting my luggage stolen or getting my luggage lost. And the last time it happened, the luggage went, I went to Florida, the luggage went to Seattle. And I was like, calm down, you know, take a pill. Whatever, chill out. <sighs> what if, what if you thought problem free instead of problem solving? What if you just said, you know, this time, this time my luggage comes with me? And just held that as an affirmation, just held that out as a possibility, as something to think about. What if we entertained the possibility of, oh my God, what else can go right? Oh my God, what else can go right? What if we entertained that possibility? You know, instead of trying to fix everything all along the way, what if we breathe life into, there's nothing to fix, there's nothing to solve. Life is flowing through me, as me, perfectly into form. Perfectly into form. Ernest Holmes said this in Richer Living. He said, that which we see is merely a reflection of this invisible presence. The spirit itself cannot be seen, but it is felt. Just as we do not see the essence of beauty, but we do feel its presence. We do not see God, but we see the divine in everything. And then he went on to say, the creator is revealed in its creation. The formless gives rise to the form. We should consistently, consciously unite ourselves with this invisible essence which pervades everything. That which our lesson says is eternally unconditioned and undivided. To do this is to find wholeness. That's what he said. So to practice the presence, to understand, to keep remembering who and what we are and whose we are, to continue to remember we are wholeness itself seeking a, an experience in form. To remember this is to reveal wholeness. That's what we are. We are the revelation of truth. We are the proof that God exists. 
We are the revelation itself in form. We are here to reveal that splendor that is hidden within us, to reveal that seed of perfection that is nestled within us. We are here to live in wholeness. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm back. I don't have to sing this time, though. It's very exciting. <laughs> the one thing I love about our variety show is that I get to be a cheerleader 